I'm Nikia Cheney. And I'm Cassidy Parong. And I'm Raina Shalise. And you're listening to Amplify, where we provide space to amplify the voices of students who have not been historically heard at Cabrillo. That would include Black, Chicano, Chicana, Latino, Latina, Indigenous, Asian, and any other group of students who feel marginalized on our campus. This podcast series was made possible by support from the Faculty Grants for Student Success, FGSS, and the Associated Students of Cabrillo College Grants, ASCC. If you want to join in this conversation or support our programs, please reach out. We'd love to hear your voice. Hello, everyone. So this is Nikia Cheney, and welcome to another episode of Amplify. Um, In this episode, we're going to be talking about the book, Just Mercy, and I have with me my lovely student, Rebecca Mitchell. Um, Rebecca Mitchell was a student of mine in fall of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for having me, Professor Chani. Oh, absolutely. Rebecca's a wonderful student. Um, but we 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 had the book. We I I chose the book for my class uh for many reasons, but I was a little nervous about bringing it in because I just wasn't sure how well it would connect with the students, right? You know? Um, but I was really yeah. surprised. Uh, what, yeah, what it was. It was definitely. I'm used to like from coming from high school to college. I was expecting more like literature books. I get like classic books that we all like had in high school, like The Great Gatsby, like Grapes of Wrath, like books along like that sort of line. So I thought it was really cool to bring in a book like this, and I have gained so much from this book and. I would have never really thought to have read it unless, like, since Nikia um, assigned it to us, I wouldn't have read it besides that, but it has really, like, changed my life. Wow, that's really nice to hear. You know, sometimes we teachers, you know, we don't know what our classes do for you or what our assignments do for you, so it's really nice to hear um, when we're reading something. So this... So, you know, we're dedicated to issues of social justice here. And that's, I'm really big on pushing those ideas across um, and talking about social justice with my students and in my classes. And I chose this book because the stories do this thing where they humanize people. Um, And I don't know, I mean, what did you think, Rebecca? Like reading it, like, what did you think about the stories? So I wanted to add on to my last point too, that this is, I love how it's um, more in like the time that we're in right now. So it was, it was just so many different emotions I felt when reading this book. And there's so many different perspectives is what I like the most about it. Like you had the perspective of Brian Stevenson, who was helping all these people and you got to like read firsthand what he went through and all the work that he did and then you got to hear 
from his assistants and then you got to hear from the people that he fought for and their families and it was just so heavy and different emotions and different perspectives and it was great oh that's good that's good now let's let's situate something though let's let's actually bring up something now Rebecca Mitchell you do uh, characterize yourself as white you are a white student correct Yes. Right? You do you do identify as white, right? I do. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I'm a black teacher. <laughs> I'm a black teacher. Um, and this book is about issues in the South and, and issues among black people. So I want to kind of reading mm-hmm. about these types of subjects. How did that how did that go across for you? Because I'm curious too. You know, so it's um I definitely learned a lot with this book like I know about all a lot of racial issues that are going on in the United States but this book just goes into like a whole nother level like how racism affects the um the criminal system and I had no idea how impacted it is by race and this Mm -hmm. just shows you like um what was the police officer's name? Uh, ooh, what was the police officer's name? <laughs> but I know you're talking we'll about... Just, we'll call him yeah. the police officer. Yeah. So it was so crazy to see that he could just make up a lie and that they would go with it because he was a white man of power and they were fighting against a black man. Even though they had no evidence, it was like based off race and it's because he was a white man of power and it was it's it was like very deep to read that and it really brought it like to another level Mm. well that's 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 and this is I think one of the crucial issues that we have right is that sometimes we don't see or understand that for Black people, um, especially those who are vulnerable, like some of the the people in the book who are homeless, who have mental illnesses, right? Who live in the South, who are poor. Yeah. Um, Their experiences with the law and their experiences with authority is in the criminal justice system is vastly different than what's actually portrayed, right? Than what's portrayed on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like another example with um, what was his name, Ralph? I think it was mm-hmm. who he just told the police officer like Walter McMillan did it, and there was that was it, and he was a white man too. And it's like there's another great example of like race coming into play with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, so that's and again, like I said, you know, I'm confronting you with these issues. I'm like, hey you know, let's talk about race. Let's really actually, yeah. you know, think about it and talk about how it's affecting yeah. people's lives. And so, you know, I mean, I think that's important to do, even if it makes us uncomfortable, right? Yeah, that's, that was a very cool thing that I got out of your class. Cause I feel like um, right now, racism and talking about this Black Lives Matter movement is such a big issue right now. And everyone knows about it. And everyone I know supports it. But when it comes to talking about these types of things, everyone, like, gets uncomfortable. 
And so it was really interesting to see in your class when you brought up these questions and brought up like what is the Black Lives Matter movement and how uncomfortable some people were talking about it for no real reason. So it was really nice to like kind of like get through that and be able to talk about that and learn more and hear different perspectives. And it was just cool to do that in a classroom setting and it was nice. Awesome. A big takeaway awesome. from your class. <laughs> well, it's nerve wracking for me because yeah. here I am, a black teacher, and my students are white. Um, the majority of my students are white. You know, at Cabrillo, we don't have a high number of black students who attend. Mm -hmm. So the majority of my students are white, and here I'm just throwing these issues at you guys. So I'm always, yeah. you know, I'm always, I always want to be mindful of that. But at the same time, you know, to, to kind of think, I mean, like, this is something that needs to be said. And this is something that needs, needs to be done. But Rebecca, you did exactly. something interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you did after you read this book? Yes. Yeah, so after I read this book, I, like I said, it brought on so many different emotions for me. And um. I just wanted to honor that and so they have an email at the end of the book so I decided to contact them and tell them how much this book taught me and how much I was impacted from this book and I wanted to see if I could actually interview one of the lawyers from Equal Justice Initiative just to get more of a sense of what it's like to work there and more of a I get another perspective to see if that's maybe something I'd want to do in the future. So I did this thinking that they wouldn't get back to me because it's such a big company. And a few weeks later, um, a lawyer got back to me and said that they would love to talk with me for 20 minutes unrecorded. So I came up with some questions and I was able to contact with her and it was great. So a few questions I asked, um, well, one, this was on the day that I think it's January 6th that the Capitol, the whole ambush of the Capitol happened. So that was really interesting oh. to talk about that with her. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. What did you think the, about that? Like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, watching that and seeing what was going down. I was so unreal. Like I couldn't believe what was going on. It was like, I still don't have words for it. Like it was a terrorist attack. And I like the way that some people think that they were doing something for this country is just unbelievable. It's disgusting to me. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the memes at that time were, you know, had this been a black like during the during the black lives matter protests which were overwhelmingly peaceful considering how many they yes. were um it yeah. was the national guard it was you know uh smoke bombs and rubber bullets yeah. and so it was just this hypocrisy right yeah this hypocrisy that was like right in our face yeah it's so yeah like to think about the Black Lives Matter movements and what actions were taken upon the protesters who were being peaceful and what happened at the Capitol is like I'm at a loss for words it's ridiculous and unbelievable and tragic and it really yeah. shows that we have a lot to work on in this country 
Oh, yeah. What did the lawyer from the EJI initiative say about these issues? Um, so she asked me, she's like, are you are you seeing what's going on? I was like, yeah, it's unbelievable. And she said, yeah, she was at a loss for words as well. She was like, I, I can't believe this is happening. Like, is it real? Like, what's going on? And yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of surreal, too, because you're talking, you know, you're talking to a lawyer from a program that you read about in a book from a class, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and, yeah. And, you, you know, to see these incidents, like to see these these outside voices or these larger voices talking about the issues must have been incredible. Yeah, it really was. Um, so a few questions that I ask her, I'll read a few of them. Um, one of them was, while reading the book, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson got to meet with a lot of incarcerated people one-on-one, -on -one, hear their life story, and build relationships with them. Would you say this portrays an accurate part of being an attorney for Equal Justice Initiative, or would you say it more consists of office work and time in court? Mm -hmm. And she said that a lot of it is like the book, like a lot of it is they have to be to build a connection with the people who they're talking to and hear their story and uncover these different things that they can use in court. So she said it was like part-time meeting with those people and building a relationship mm. and other time working in the office and building, working on all that paperwork and um, oh, wow. then time in court fighting for them. So that was really cool to hear. Yeah, like I can imagine now yeah. I'm thinking... I'm thinking, because you're right, in the book, the stories are so rich, right? Yeah. And so detailed. And Walter is, is connecting to Brian and really thinking of him as a friend. You guys, are, you remember that from the book? Yeah. And to think yeah. that there, it, it, is, it is real. It's not just, yeah. you know, dramatized, that they are doing yeah. these things with the clients. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that was really cool. Um. Another question was, in Walter McMillan's case, it seemed like Brian Stevenson almost had to be a detective to figure out what really happened with the key witnesses the day of the murder and show that Walter was wrongfully convicted. What percentage of cases require this detective-like work? And she said it was kind of like a case-on-case -case basis, but a lot of it does require like figuring out what really happened and getting into those really like good details and figuring out what happened with those key witnesses getting their statements and then getting the person who they're helping statement so um she said a lot of it was like um brian stevenson described in the book wow having to uncover you know when i think about when i think about walter's case uh, you know and how you know how it was just so blatantly wrong right there were so many yeah. pieces and parts that just didn't add up I wonder about the public defenders the ones who initially right. defended those men and women I mean you know I I, I always I just feel that sense of like you know because EJI comes in afterwards to fix what wasn't done before right yeah. the justice initiative is for that we are going to yeah. retry these cases and we are going to try to get these people try to get you know see the larger picture so what about the what happened before right 
you right. know and she that? she kind of touched on that a little bit or she touched on that um when I talked to her Donald Trump was still president so she said the last four years have become so increasingly hard to get people off death row and she said it was really really sad because most of the she said so many cases they couldn't because the mm. stuff that Donald Trump has changed and the way he's pushing the death penalty and it was really hard for them to overcome wow. that with a lot of cases which is really really sad to hear yeah oh my gosh yeah <sighs> wow yeah and um another one that I asked was what cases are you most proud of and what have been your most difficult cases and she said that she'd worked on three cases so far since she had joined Equal Justice Initiative. And she, I think she was with them for a couple of years, she said. And she said that each mm-hmm. case, there's pieces that she's proud of. And every case is difficult having to, she said, definitely like because of Donald Trump and the way he was pushing on the death penalty, it made it all cases difficult. And so there were, cases like parts of cases that she was proud of and parts of cases that were really difficult there's not like one Mm -hmm. case that was she was most proud of or another case that was more difficult oh wow wow yeah so Rebecca Um, like well you have more questions go for it go for it no you can you can go oh no I was just gonna ask like what did you feel about being able to kind of get a glimpse into this kind of work what is what are some things that you took away because you're a student you're you're uh-huh. a college student right you're a freshman right this yeah is your first year so so I mean how did how did you take in some of this stuff this is social justice right this yeah. is the heart you know, of social justice work yeah I was like so honored to be able to meet with her first off and my biggest question going into this, I guess, was getting like a deeper understanding of what they do and seeing if it would really be something that I'd be interested in because I was and am really interested in this field. And but mm-hmm. I always question like, I don't know if I could handle the hardships of the job, like not being able to win over someone's case. And having to work with people on death row and how that would affect me. And, you know, talking to her, she was so passionate about her job. It was really beautiful, actually. And it really did inspire me to want to do this. And she definitely explained that it was a lot of work and it was hard work, but I don't think that necessarily deterred me away from it. It was it was nice getting that inside look and getting like an honest opinion. Um, I still question if it would be too hard for me. I don't know if I could handle not being able to help someone on death row. And she said that that's Mm -hmm. of course, like one of the hardest parts of the job, but also like the best parts of the job are being able to help people. So it was really touching to get like that, her like being vulnerable and being able to like tell me all of that stuff it was cool well it's kind of like teaching <laughs> yeah yeah not all students pass and that's right 
right? Yeah. But the ones that do and the ones that go to your class, um, you know, and do you feel that you've, you've woken up a little bit? Do you feel that, you know, you've changed in, in your thinking just by talking about these issues and dealing with these issues? What do you feel about that? Oh my gosh, completely, completely. There are so many different times throughout the book where I had changed my opinion. Like before this book, I'd always get asked, like, what are your thoughts on the death penalty? And I'd always like wonder, like, you know, I don't like the death penalty at all, but you know, everyone would always be like, oh, but you know, like Ted Bundy deserved the death penalty. Like Richard Ramirez deserved the death penalty. And I'd always be like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I get that. Like, I was kind of like on the fence about it. Like, I was like, I didn't know the depths of how many people are wrongfully convicted and how many people don't deserve to be on death row. And after reading this book, like, there was multiple times that I cried because I just felt so, like, um, oblivious to these issues that are going on and like it completely changed my view on the death penalty and so many different things that like like yeah I feel so much different after this book and so much more almost like empowered to make a change like it's very inspiring to read this and it touches on so many issues and it it makes you like want to make sure all your friends know about it and make sure everyone knows about this like people need to hear what Brian Stevenson is saying and what he's fighting for because so many people don't know and it's not being taught like it should and it's really really sad well this is Nikia Cheney and I'm with my student Rebecca Mitchell um we're talking about Jess Mercy and the way in which the assignment of this book in the class has affected and changed her life. Um, and, I, and Rebecca, would you like to end with anything uh, and just kind of, you know, I don't know, give us a glimpse of what you would want to see going forward or what another student can take from some of the lessons that you learned? Yes. Um gosh there's so many things I'd want to share like first of all I just think everyone should just read this book because it's just such a different good perspective to get and it's it's really heavy and some I think that that's like a good thing because it kind of breaks down like this stigma around things that people like don't want to talk about but need to be talked about like in the book there's different rape instances that's like really uncomfortable to talk about but it needs to be talked about to get change and I think that's a big thing all throughout this book like my biggest takeaway that I hope people would get is just like to feel the empowerment that I felt after I read it and feel that they can now help other people and teach other people and maybe even like go into this field and help people and just more people need to know and the more people know then I feel like the more we can start to make a change 
Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, again, you've been a pleasure to have in class. And I hope to see you fly and go do some really fun and interesting things in the future. Um, and, you know, I'm always here, of course, if you need. But uh, it is difficult sometimes being a Black teacher and thinking about, yeah. you know, what it is that I'm giving to my students and how I'm trying to help them to see that there's a different world out there. And so I want to be sensitive. Yeah. To that, but at the same time, um, I agree with you. People need to know these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you you're know, doing great things, that. Professor Chani. I think you're doing great things. And yeah, well, it's great. Thank you for having me. You too. You have a wonderful, wonderful evening. You too. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Amplify, a podcast series for historically unheard Cabrillo students. You can join us by emailing Raina Chalice at R-A-C-H-E-L-I-S at cabrillo.edu or me, Nikia Cheney at N-I-C-H-A-N-E-Y at cabrillo.edu or even texting 951-254-3651 or visiting our website at podcastforcabrillo.wordpress.com and to amplify your own voice too.